Welcome to the Australian Abortion Stories podcast, a place where we can listen to and receive the story medicine of women and people's lived experience of abortion. We're here to decrease stigma, increase empathy and understanding, and to create a better world for all people through these stories. I'm your host, Kelsey, and before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana and Gadigal people of the lands on which this podcast is hosted. I also extend that respect to the people of the lands on which you are listening from today, and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person who is listening. It always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Hello everybody, I've got uh, the beautiful Lily and Sarah with me here from the Abortion Project and just wanted to share a little snippet with you guys about what they're up to in in WA and the Northern Territory. So Lily, over to you, what is the Abortion Project and who is it for? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Abortion Project is a pro-abortion, pro-choice network of peer support groups for people who abortions obviously um yeah so I guess that's who it, what it is and who it's for uh at the moment we have groups in Fremantle and Darwin uh and this year we are expanding to Melbourne and hopefully some other cities but mm-hmm. watch this space <laughs> mm-hmm. wonderful <laughs> and where can people find you if they would like to find out more information on where you are and, and when you run sessions and all of that um, at the moment, um, in true millennial style, we can only be found on Instagram um, <laughs> <laughs> and linked tree. Um, but we are in the process of having a website developed by the wonderful Gabby Fountain, who's a graphic designer from Perth. Um, so soon enough, we'll have a website. But at the moment, you can find us on Instagram. And our handle is project. Hello everyone, Kelsey here. Welcome to another episode. In today's episode, I talk with Kristen, who shares her um, story of an abortion for medical reasons. So um, Kristen goes through her and her partner's journey through prenatal testing um, with the NIP test and and further testing to diagnose um, trisomy 21, so Down syndrome. And I'm just really excited to get this story out there. And I thank Kristen so much for sharing her story because um, we haven't had a story like this on the podcast before. And it's been a gap that's been missing um, because lots of people all around Australia and all around the world do terminate pregnancies for reasons like this, um, for medical reasons. And yeah, it's a really good episode. She speaks really well about it. Um her decision-making process and the actual process, um, grief and and yeah, the loss of a pregnancy and also about her journey and her partner's journey to conceiving another child um, after this termination. So have a listen. As always, go gently with yourself, especially if this is a story um, that is similar to yours. Um, excuse me, I'm actually sick <laughs> recording this Um so I'm a bit out of breath, but I wasn't sick during the interview, so that's fine. Um, also, the audio on my end in this interview is a little bit, um, but I don't talk heaps in it, so that's fine. Um, what else do I have to tell you? Not much. Just go gently with yourselves, and I hope you enjoy and get something out of this episode. Um, and if you do, I encourage you to um, like or save the post on Instagram. It really helps boost that and share with somebody who you think might benefit from hearing this story, particularly if it's um, something that relates to them. So until next time, until next week, go well and um, take care of yourselves and each other. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Australian Abortion Stories. Um, So I've got Kristen with me on the podcast today to share her abortion story. So would you like to introduce yourself, Kristen? where you live, uh, the country that you're on, and a little bit about yourself, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah, um, so yeah, my name is Kristen. I'm a 26-year-old female. Um, I'm based in Brisbane, and that is on Yagara and Yugamba country. Um, And yeah, I guess at the moment, I am 
on this journey like everybody else has been. So just looking forward to talking and sharing my experience. So Kristen's story is a little bit different to the stories that we've had on the podcast so far, which is um, it's really exciting that you have come on and wanted to share your story because you have a, a medical um, determination for medical reasons story. Yep. So I guess starting at the start of your pregnancy journey, were you trying to conceive at the time or what was happening for you back then? Yeah. Um, so this was last, the beginning of last year. So 2022, um, we had recently just been married in February and had gotten back from our honeymoon. And we were pretty much under the impression that, you know, once the wedding and all of that fun is over, then we'll give it a go and start trying for a family. Um, mm. So much to our surprise, it happened quite quickly. We found out that we were pregnant in March, um, so quite soon after the wedding. Mm. Um, I guess when you're trying for a baby, like, you were testing all the time. Like, you can't you can't really mm-hmm. deny yourself that. You can't lie about that. So we found out pretty bang on like that four weeks. Mm. Um, so we're very aware straight away that we were pregnant, had booked into the doctor um, and the OB, and then we kind of went from there. Mm. Yeah, great. So what was your first trimester like? Talk to me. <laughs> um, It was up and down. Like we've... I guess we're kind of the first, one of the first few couples in our friendship group to fall pregnant. Like we've had um, one lot of our close friends have a baby. Um, But for me, it was not really textbook, textbook this pregnancy. Like I got a few bits of nausea and I was tired. Like I had the standard feeling hungover pretty much every day without the party the night before. But yeah, I didn't really suffer from any morning sickness during that first trimester. It was more just a groggy, tired, not exactly myself, a bit emotional. Yeah, not exactly yourself. That's definitely something I feel like I could relate to in my pregnancy. Just yeah, and then definitely past the the first trimester mark, and I was like, oh, oh, I'm back. I'm a real person again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a real boy. <laughs> um. When did your, it sounds like, were you working at all? No, I was previously, um, but like I worked in childcare um, yep. and I was just kind of between jobs and we just decided while we were trying for a family, we'd just put my energy into that um, just because, yeah, we had had friends previously experienced miscarriage and gone through heartbreak. So that was really important for us that if we were going to do this, like, I really wanted to be in the right mind frame for it. Hmm, That's beautiful. So um, what type of care were you engaging with? You mentioned the obstetrician. So had you been to an appointment yet in your first trimester or when did you start um, receiving care from them? Yeah, so I think um, pretty much as soon as I got that positive after peeing on the stick, (laughs) um, I went straight to the doctor and they confirmed, just my normal GP that I see usually, Mm. uh, they confirmed it with um, a blood test. Um, And then because of friends who have previously had a pregnancy, they recommended us to an OB. Um, So we decided to do shared care, me seeing the GP and the OB as well. Oh, great. Cool. It's so cool to hear somebody doing um, the shared care model because that's something I learned about in yeah midwifery training and I've done a bit of work in GP land. And so I think having that continuity of care of somebody that you've met before, like your GP that you go to, is a really cool thing to, to happen and to have in the system. So yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, it was definitely nice. It was nice to have a familiar face, I guess, when that situation was so new to me. So yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. And did you have any ultrasounds in your first trimester at all? Yes, I had my dating scan. Um, So I think we went in about eight weeks, um, just the normal routine, check that there was a heartbeat, fantastic. And then after that, I believe that's when I saw the OB for the first time. Yeah, great. And when um, did you engage, I assume that you engaged in 
testing. So when did it come up for you um, testing for Down syndrome and all of that? Yep. So when we went to that first appointment at the OB, she kind of run through um, all of the options that were available, whether we just wanted to do the nuchal scan um, or if we wanted to do the NIPT testing. Um, she was very open about testing. She made it very clear that it was our choice whether we wanted to partake in it or not. Um, my husband and Lewis and I, we had had previous conversations that the NIPT is something that we did want to do because we wanted to be made aware that if anything was to be flagged or become high risk, like we would act on that decision. So I guess yeah. going into the kind of that um, testing and screening period, like it was always something that we were going to do anyway. Mm. Um, so at that first OB appointment, that's when she provided us with the form to go and take the NIPT blood test. Yeah. Great. So yeah, it's a blood test, isn't it? That covers not only um, Down syndrome, but also a variety of different chromosomal um, anomalies. Is that right? From my understanding, yeah, like it tests for the trisomy 21. I think there's trisomy 18 and I think there's another one as well. Yeah. Great. So you went and got the blood test and mm -hmm. yeah, what happened from there? When did, um, did you receive a phone call or come back in for results or yeah? Um, so yeah, we went and we did the blood tests. I guess it was something in the back of our head that we were always kind of nervous about. The first trimester always seems like a little bit of an anxious time anyway. Not many people know, so you're still trying to keep it quiet. And it was just kind of between my husband and I. Um, so we did the blood tests and I guess maybe we felt, um, I'm not too sure what the word is, but I guess we kind of felt positive at that point in time from the NIPT, we were kind of just excited to find out the gender. Like that was all our really sole focus was on at that time. It didn't even come up that there might be an issue. Um, so I guess it had kind of gotten to that two weeks past us taking the NIPT blood test and I hadn't really heard anything back from the OB and I was starting to feel just a little bit anxious or that nothing had been communicated from them as of yet. So I rang the OB um, and I spoke to the receptionist out the front and she's like, look, I can see that the results are here, but unfortunately I can't give them to you over the phone. Um, she's like, let me speak to the OB and I'll give you a call back. So that kind of already wasn't sitting well um, in my stomach. I was kind of expressing my concern and anxiety to my husband and he was like, no, I'm sure it will all be fine. Like, I'm sure it's just, you know, something, no matter what the results are, that they can't give you over the phone. Um, and then I received a call back and she expressed that the OB would like me to come in and share the results with me. And I guess that was probably the beginning of everything that happened. And as soon as, yeah, I received that phone call, I just had a feeling that something wasn't quite right. Yeah. So did they get you in uh, for an appointment pretty quick or what was that time frame like? No, they were pretty good. They were pretty on top of it. Um, as soon as she gave me a call back, um, she said that she had an availability for me to come in and see her that afternoon. Um, okay. So I just, yeah, I took that appointment and I went in that afternoon. Yeah. And you went in by yourself? Yeah, that was really, really hard. Um, I guess my husband and I, we were both still trying to remain positive. Like I was still holding on to that little bit of hope that, no, it's fine. They're just, you know, we're just going to come in and have a discussion. They can't give me the results over the phone. I was really, really hanging on to that. Um, so, yeah, I did go in by myself and I received the news by myself and that was really, really hard um, to process. And, yeah, it was something really hard to do alone and that's definitely affected the way that I go to future appointments now like I really rely on having that support with me because it was I would say it was pretty traumatic mm, I imagine that would have been really really hard um yeah so what was your GP saying at that appointment is it with I'm not entirely sure the results of the NIP test is it does it indicate the likelihood of it's not an official diagnostic tool or is it the diagnosis itself 
Yeah, so I guess when I got into the OB, um, she just kind of sat me down and she was like, look, she's like, I just wanted to call you in today to talk about the results from your NIPT. She was like, unfortunately, they aren't great. Um, And I just, yeah, my heart sunk and I kind of just, you know, your worst worst fears are coming true. Um, And she just said that it has come back as high risk for trisomy 21, so the Down syndrome. And I guess to me that was kind of just like a slap in the face, only because Lewis and I had had previous conversations about, you know, the sole reason behind why we were doing the NIP testing. Um, So hearing those words out loud was just, it was everything crashing at once like it's like I suddenly knew what was about to happen the road we were going to have to go down you know the decisions that had to be made um so to me it wasn't even a moment to process it's like deep down I just knew what was about to happen and it was a really hard pill to swallow um and with OB she was very open and honest with us she was very lovely and I feel like considering the circumstances um it's not great news for her to deliver to a patient as well um so she provided us some resources of where we could kind of turn to she suggested that we didn't make any sole decisions based off the NIP test itself um and she referred us to a hospital in the area to get an amniocentesis I think okay I'm pronouncing that correctly which is just further diagnostic testing to kind of confirm what the NIPT had flagged for us. Yeah, yeah. And that's amniocentesis is the needle um, going in to your belly. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Did you call your husband from the clinic or what was the aftermath of that for you? It was still kind of a blur. Like, um And I guess even like maybe as a trauma response, I have tried to kind of blur that bit out because there was just so much happening at the time. Um, The receptionist was really great. I was obviously very visibly upset and trying to keep it together because it was very much a wanted pregnancy. Um, So she kind of helped me gather myself, gave me a bit of a hug. And then I was like, okay, I'll just drive home he's obviously going to know I'm upset and like I'm going to have to tell him and I guess that's kind of when like a little bit of panic set in and the only kind of people that knew about our pregnancy at this stage were our parents um, and a few of our close friends and I feel like you know sometimes when you just need your (laughs) mum I rang my mum and she knew that we were uh undertaking the NIPS testing and I was just like it's not good or like that's all I could keep saying is yeah it's not good it's not good um so she tried to comfort and console me on the phone as much as she could um and then yeah I had to ring my husband and tell him that it wasn't great and I feel like that was probably as equally heartbreaking as hearing it myself is having to deliver that news like sometimes I feel like as the woman, it's like really hard to let them know that it hasn't worked or something's gone wrong to share that information. Mm. I feel that. Um, yeah, so I'm just wondering, yeah, what the, I'm interested actually about the resources that the GP recommended to you as yeah. I assume supports or further information um, for your decision-making process. Did you, yeah, would you like to share any of those at all or were they more personal resources for you? I guess it was just more because she was aware why we were doing the testing in the first place and I guess she kind of already knew um, the decision that we would make, which would Mm -hmm. be to not continue the pregnancy if this was the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So she still recommended that amniocentesis and she called and booked that appointment for us um, at a hospital in Brisbane City. Um, But she actually did make quite clear to us, she's like, look, she's like, I just want to prepare you. This particular hospital you're going to just have a religious affiliation. Um, And she's like, and she just said that, you know, you can get the test done, but prior to going on to making your decision, it's not going to be something that they can help you with. Um, 
So that was, yeah, that made us feel a little bit lost. It's like you've got these resources here to help you with the diagnosis, um, to basically confirm what the NIPT has already told us, Mm -hmm. but then it still made us feel a little bit in the dark about what we do next. Mm. Um, It was at that stage, it was really hard to kind of get into a public hospital locally to us. So we did feel like that was our only option at the time. And because of that, that warning that she kind of gave us um even the day up until the appointment of the amniocentesis like I was feeling really vulnerable as it was everything was up in the air and I yeah I just didn't want to go in um and feel such negative like negativity around me when it was already such a really hard time Mm, yeah I imagine that would have been an interesting thing to try and process Um, definitely I assume it was, yeah, private religious hospital or whatever have you. So, mm, what, so you went, you did end up going to that hospital to get the test done? Yeah, Lewis and I kind of um denied about it. There was about, I think there was about a four or five day period between um, the diagnostic testing and the results, the first results from the niche. Yeah. Um, but still, like those five days sitting on that information was not a not a fun time. It's like time sat still, but it also went so quickly. Like I don't think there are words to describe just kind of waiting for something that you already know. You know, like she explained to us that the NIPT was kind of already like 99 point something correct and, you know, gives, but it's still like not a diagnostic test. So in my head in the back of my mind, knowing that they have this opinion and that they'll give us this, this diagnosis, which we kind of already know is what's going to happen, but then they're not going to help us. In my head and my heart, I was like, do we go? Um, but then part of me, because it was a wanted pregnancy, was like, no, I just need to know if, like, I need the diagnosis for sure. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like it was really important to you. Yeah. Um, and how would you like to speak about the actual amniocentesis? I'm sure some people will be interested in how that was, if it was painful, um, yeah. if you would like to speak about that. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm quite happy. It wasn't something when I had found out um, that we were going to do this test that I really looked into. I already had so much on my plate and I just didn't want to add any more anxiety. So I definitely went into that appointment um, with not a lot of information. Um, the doctor that did see us that day, he was very kind and he was very lovely. So I was very thankful for that because I was really just needing some kindness thrown my way at that stage. Um, so we kind of just went through all the information again about what we had previously gone through. So stating like the statistics of the NIPT and what they found. And then he ran through the amniocentesis procedure with us. Um, So basically, like you said before, just quite a large needle that is either placed through the abdomen or it can go in through your cervix as well. And it just takes some fluid from the placenta for them to then analyze and get a diagnostic result so for that trisomy 21 it would confirm if yes our baby did have down syndrome or no it was a false false positive from the niche yeah okay and how long did it take for those results to be I assume returned to your GP or to yourself um so I sat through the procedure and I think the procedure probably took about 10 15 minutes itself and he explained that we would get short-term results within 24 to 48 hours and then long-term results we would have within 14 14 business days but he did stress to us that like with the NIPT it's not very often that your short-term results will be different from your long-term results he you know there was a reason we were doing the diagnostic tests and he said with whatever comes back within like these 24 to 48 hours is what what you're facing yeah do you know the difference between the short and long-term results like do they do further um I'm honestly not too sure it's I wish I could go back and ask all these questions (laughs) because it's definitely something that I would like to know about Mm. um yeah I don't know I remember 
with the results from this amniocentesis, we did partake in further genetic testing because it actually did come back that, yes, we had a diagnosis of um, Down syndrome, the trisomy 21, but it was actually something called a balanced translocation of Down syndrome 21. So there's still three copies of the chromosome 21, but one of them is actually broken off and attached to another part of the DNA structure which was a whole lot of, you know, there was already so much information and then that got thrown at us as well. Um, so that, yeah, I guess towards the end of our story and the end of our journey, that having that information from the amniocentesis, uh, yeah, it took us down another path as well. Mm, okay. And so once you got the res results, what were the next steps for you guys? You sound like you were both very firm from the start that, if there was something abnormal or chromosomal, um, I'm not sure what you refer to an issue or well, abnormality. Oh, abnormality. That's the word, I think. Abnormality. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you were pretty sure from the get-go that you would not proceed. And I guess, like, like those conversations are never easy to have with your partner. But in hindsight, I'm so thankful that it's a conversation we did have prior. Um because this situation and finding out, you know, that our baby had Down syndrome was already hard enough, let alone Lewis and I having to speak, like sit down and speak to each other and be like, well, you know, what do you want to do? And I, yeah. I honestly can't imagine if we both wanted different things. Like I feel like, you know, having differences on that would tear our relationship apart. So I'm in, in as shitty as it was, I'm so thankful that we had had these conversations previously and they're obviously not easy um, conversations to have. Um, I think, and they're like our main reason for that is, to me, being a parent is such a privilege as it is. And we wanted to be parents, but we didn't want to be carers. So that's kind of what led, like, well, like full-time carers. Like I, I have a background in childcare. Um, and I, you know, I see lots of parents doing the day-to-day -day life of parenthood and it's hard enough as it is. And it's something that we really didn't want to add on top of our plate. And I know that might sound a bit harsh to others, um, but I think as a parent, it's still important for you to be you as well as like caring for your child. So I didn't want to add any more, we both didn't want to add any more stress to our journey of, of becoming parents and having a child with a disability. Um, so that bit was, I guess the decision was already made. We kind of already knew what was going to happen. Um, but like, yeah, like sitting in that office and when we found out, it kind of just all, all hit at once. Like it was such a world of hurt because we already knew what was going to happen. Um, so after the diagnostic testing, we were back in talks with um, our OB and my GP, and they provided us with some information um, of facilities within our area. She also sent off a referral to our local hospitals, um, but they weren't able to get me in for a few, like a few weeks. For some yeah. reason, it just wasn't considered like an emergency situation. Um, but for me, that was a really hard pill to swallow. I was 14 weeks pregnant at this stage. I was worried about progressing. I was worried about feeling movement. Like this situation was extremely hard as it was. So we ended up ringing and getting in contact with Marie Stroke um, here in yeah. Brisbane. And they kind of were having the same, same problem as the hospitals as they were going through quite a busy period. Um, they put me on a waiting list to kind of be seen as soon as I wanted or as soon as they could, as though that was Lewis and I's wishes. Yeah. Um, but still, they had still booked me in about the 15, 16 week mark of my pregnancy is when they could fit me in for the, the procedure. Yeah. Um, so I, we went back to my OB and we shared that information with her and she expressed that she had worked with the director at the Marie Stropes in Brisbane previously. Um, and she gave her a call and she worked her magic and they they got me in, I think, just after about 14 weeks and four days. Um, so I was really thankful for that because this was all happening when 
the Roe v. Wade turnover was happening in America. So I was riddled with anxiety. I was not seeing great things on the internet. I was not seeing great things on the news. Um, and I was trying to like physically and mentally prepare myself. And I like, I was just so upset. I felt so stuck in this situation. It's never something that I thought I would be in. And it's, yeah. I think people that have a termination for medical reasons, something that I could really resonate with them is you really struggle with the word choice and decision. It doesn't feel like something that is your choice. It doesn't feel like a decision that you should have to make. Um, I just, yeah, some of the terminology I really struggled with, with having a wanted pregnancy. And then at the end of the day, I know I made this decision, but it definitely didn't make it any easier. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a really interesting point to make. And I really feel um, that that's why sharing your story is such a gift to this community and to, you know, women all around Australia, because I feel like the diff like the similarities between, I guess, abortion and miscarriage and abortion for medical reasons are, can be really similar, but like the nuances feel really important and can make people feel, you know, if they find people that have had the same story or situation as them feel a lot less alone because you can often seek, like, I guess maybe you sort out abortion stories, but there wasn't many on medical terminations or I'm not sure what your journey was that was I'd love to speak about it um but yeah that's uh no and that, that's yeah no that's exactly right is I remember it being the night before I was booked in for the DNC and I was stuck in a google black hole I was mm. searching YouTube and I was just stuck in this this frenzy of trying to hold on to someone that had been in my position um and chose what I chose because I feel like I had seen plenty of things on the internet of people and couples that did get a diagnosis of Down syndrome but they obviously chose to progress with their pregnancy and welcome that child into the world and that was obviously not something that Lewis and I wanted mm -hmm. um, so we were desperately trying to hold on and find someone that we could resonate with that made us in that moment feel like yeah as hard as this is, you know, we're making the right decision for us um, and we could connect with those people. So I feel like it was the night night before I went in for the DNC um, and I found an Instagram account called the Termination for Medical Reasons Doula. I don't believe she's Australian. I feel I think okay. she's based some, somewhere else, but I found an interview that she did with a lady on YouTube and it was um, a lady that had been a mum previously. She had welcomed children into the world. This was her second baby and she got a diagnosis of Down syndrome and they chose to terminate. So it was yeah. quite, I was really holding, yeah, holding on to that hope to find someone that was like in our position, but they had also gone on to have children and everything was going to be okay. Like it really just really just felt like our world was crumbling and as crappy as it was, I needed to know that one day in the future, like it was going to be all right. Yeah. Um, and then I have also come across this support group. She runs an Instagram account and a Facebook account just called TFMR Mamas. Um, so it's women from all over the world that have also ex experienced termination for medical reasons too. And that was... Yeah that's probably been the best thing that I have found. I believe the lady that runs its name is Emma um, and she runs monthly free support groups for women all over the world. There's a Facebook page where you can just come and share your story. Um, and I did that probably about three weeks after we had gone through with the procedure just to kind of get it off my chest and feel like that I could talk to people that were in the same situation as us. And I was yeah. really surprised to see how many people were. Like I went from finding no one that I feel like I could talk to, to having so many people that have gone through a termination because of these medical reasons, whether it was mm. Down syndrome or it was something completely different. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I had a space where I could talk or I could listen. Um, I feel like when, yeah, when you're in the thick of it, 
and it sucks so bad for some reason you know the support of your husband saying it's all going to be okay does not make it feel okay (laughs) it still makes it feel like the world is ending but for some reason yeah a stranger just having my back or you know acknowledging how crap the situation was really helped yeah that I think that speaks to I can't remember you were saying something before but um like partners can be so loving and stuff but they still don't understand fully because you're the woman carrying that pregnancy and it sounds like you found a community of other women and people who had also had that experience so that's really beautiful that you were able to find that and awesome that that exists I'm definitely putting that in the show notes for people to have a look at if they um if they want to do that yeah they they have been absolutely absolutely fantastic like I I don't think I would have been able to make it through the healing journey without them and even now um being pregnant again these women have also some of them have gone on to have other children as well so it's like I still feel the anxieties that I feel today are are still being warranted by these women which is really nice like I feel no matter what point you're at having that good group of people and support around you really helps you get through it's so important (laughs) especially definitely I I was talking with this um about this the other day with um Sarah Ratcliffe who does um she's done a PhD in abortion stigma and we were talking about finding community especially being especially important in those instances where it's an issue related to bodily autonomy so like with IVF or with abortion or something that is a little bit outside the realm of the quote-unquote natural order of things is so important because we are humans and we have these amazing brains and we can make these choices because we're like we're self-aware we're not just monkeys in the jungle sorry if it's getting a bit weird um but I just I just find the community aspect and finding people who you can talk to about those things and work through is just so important I've definitely found it important and it sounds like you found that important too so that's great you found that yeah no it's it's been great I feel yeah I feel at first I didn't really have a place to share my story or speak to others and you don't really feel having a termination for a medical reason I don't feel like you fit in the the group I don't even know if that's the right word but the group of pregnancy loss because again you're struggling with those words of choice and decision And yes, I know it was a decision that I made that I chose to do this. But again, because it was a wanted pregnancy and you've had to go down the road of termination for medical reasons, you don't really feel like you belong in that group or you're welcomed by that group of pregnancy loss, whether that is, you know, like a normal miscarriage or just falls under that broader umbrella. I feel like, yeah, it's still very taboo to kind of talk about that and be accepted as someone who still experienced pregnancy loss, even though it was a termination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's that, yeah. Pregnancy loss, abortion, and then this little This great big grey area. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so before we move on and have a little chat about your journey to conception this time, mm-hmm. if that's something you want to do. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk at all about the actual procedure and how that was for you, I guess, physically, emotionally, and the, the, the days immediately after? Yeah. So I guess leading up to the procedure itself, the hardest thing for me was trying to cope with still being pregnant. I knew what was going to happen. Um, I knew that, you know, our appointment had been booked in, but every day for two weeks, I was still waking up still pregnant it's like I couldn't grieve this loss already like I still had to just survive another day um which in itself at the moment like in that moment felt quite traumatic and it was I think again it comes down to that trauma response and was still is quite a bit of a blur like you don't know how you make it through but somehow you just do um so yeah that was very hard the still being pregnant bless you (laughs) mute is very handy for sneezes <laughs> um yeah still being pregnant was really hard leading up until the termination we had told uh our friends and like our close friends I think we had about six friends that were aware of 
tip like everything that was going on the diagnosis what we were choosing to do everything um yeah. and then our immediate family was aware too so they were aware that we had been booked into Marie Stropes and again unless you're in that pos- like position or situation it's a very hard thing for people to offer support with as well because you don't really want to say the wrong thing but you also want to be there to support them so as much as I feel like I had my community around me it was also felt very lonely at the same time yeah so the day of the surgery we went to Marie Stripes in Brisbane my husband wasn't allowed to come in which was quite hard um we had to say goodbye to each other at the door which is very emotional very very hard you know as the person going through it it's so hard too and you rely on that support person but I can't imagine being my husband and like having to drop your person off and kind of just sit there helplessly like I feel like that was really unfair as well was that due to COVID restrictions at the time I'm not too sure because this was June June last year I mean it was like it was winter yeah but restrictions I feel especially in Brisbane were still quite quite easy sorry my curtain is saying hello yeah the restrictions in Brisbane it had you know it was nothing like Melbourne what was going on there yeah I was I was quite devastated that he couldn't come in with me but in saying that at Marie Stropes I couldn't I couldn't fault the nurses I couldn't fault the support staff everybody that was there was so lovely it was such you were going into that it being such a scary foreign experience and having to rely on strangers to provide you this support and take you through this journey was really terrifying. Um, So I was really just wanting kindness above everything. Like that was super important to me. And through this whole journey, language has been super important to me, the way people phrase things, the words that they use. I know that a lot of that, a lot of that comes down to the way that I interpret things. And when you're going through something traumatic like this, it is hard not to take things the wrong way. Um, But it was really important to me that no matter what I was going through, whatever um, part in the procedure I was at, that people were just treating me with kindness um, and just giving me as much information as possible. So that was really important to me as well. Mm. So arriving into Marie Stropes, they take you into this room and you see a nurse and they kind of just do a general mental health check, mm-hmm. making sure that this is something that I really wanted. And again, struggling with that terminology and that language of want and choice and decision. Okay. That was That was really hard to have a conversation with the nurse about and it is when I became quite emotional and I guess they really took their time because it is their duty of care to make sure this is something that I wanted to proceed with Um, and you know she did ask questions she did ask questions about why why are you choosing to have this termination if it is a wanted pregnancy and I Mm -hmm. expressed um, you know the journey we had been through with the testing and the high-risk SNP result and then getting the diagnostic results very understanding very welcoming of my choice very accepting which was all very gracious in that period I really needed that and then I kind of just waited around a little bit until I could see the doctor in between waiting for the doctor, they gave me a pill to pop on my tongue uh, and it just kind of helped dilate my cervix a little bit. Yeah. And they go through they go through all the questions and information about what's going to take place today when you're there. And I felt like that was really informative. Um, so that was that was really good. And then, yeah, going into the doctor, I think the hardest part was, you know, going for that final scan and, kind of seeing the baby for the last time and then kind of just waiting around until you go in for your surgery yeah did you keep any um ultrasound pictures or anything of the pregnancy yeah so when I went in for that first initial consultation uh for the chat with the nurse about what was going to take place that day she went through um the options of what they could do for us so she explained that she could take some footprints um she could organize for someone to come and collect and provide us with ashes um of of the baby which 
that I, again, that was something I struggled with too. And I, I don't know why. Maybe, yeah, I don't know if I can put into words why I struggled with that. I guess, you know, when you go through a normal loss of like losing a grandparent or a family member, an older family member or a friend, those are very much things that you do want. But I was really struggling with this, this option of having a reminder, if I don't choose to have the ashes, am I a bad person? Or if I do, am I going to be upset all the time? Like it's a extremely hard thing to navigate. And I don't, I don't think there is any right or wrong answer of how to handle that in that moment. You kind of just have to go with what you're feeling at the time. We yeah. chose to get footprints um, of our little boy and we still have those today. Um, but I chose, he was a boy. <laughs> yeah, we got footprints of our little boy, um, but I chose not to go with the ashes. I just wanted, but I still wanted that keepsake because once again, it was, yeah, it was still very much a wanted pregnancy. And in our journey to parenthood, this was just something that we've had to overcome and experience. Yeah. And yeah, and we got just a little, a little photograph of our ultrasound on the day to remember yeah. him by. Oh, beautiful. And um, how did you recover after the procedure in the, I know that you weren't working, so I assume you might've had some time to rest at home and um, yeah. What was the next few weeks like for you in terms of, I guess, yeah, your, your mental state, your physical state and any support that you had at that time. Yeah, definitely. I guess physical recover me, recovery for me definitely wasn't as bad or as traumatic as what I was expecting or things that I had read about on the internet. Um, so I feel physically I recovered quite well. Like I had my fair few days of rest. I think it was more the mental side of the recovery um, that really, yeah, really took its toll because a wanted pregnancy was something that we wanted so bad. But now we have to move through this healing journey before that's ever going to be a possibility for us in the future again. Um, and my like my partner had some time off work I think he had had about a week and a half off but then he went back to work and it was just it felt very lonely again like people were checking in for those two weeks where all, all kind of hell was breaking loose but then it kind of subsided and I really had to rely on myself to kind of pull myself out of that hole get myself into a good daily routine um and there's definitely things from those two weeks that I think have maybe instilled a little bit of trauma even to this day. Um, like even having the bed sheets that I had on my bed at the time of the termination, like I don't want them to come out the cupboard. <laughs> like it's just yeah. little little reminders of that, that, yeah, that I think is maybe still a trigger from that experience that we went through. I think mentally... It's, I think going through that experience, it's always going to be something that's now going to be in the back of our head. It's affected our current pregnancy because of what we had to go through. Um, and I think it will affect any future pregnancies or children that we may have. It's just yeah. going to have to be, you know, like the first trimester is such a hurdle in itself, but now this has been an extra barrier or obstacle that's been thrown at us that, that that's going to be an issue in the future. But I'd say maybe about six, say probably a good six months before I started to feel mentally myself again. Mm. And I guess because of the situation that we went through and it's still being a very taboo subject to talk about terminating a wanted pregnancy, I don't feel like it was talked about quite openly or maybe my friends didn't know how to handle the situation, but there definitely weren't many questions asked. And I actually think at the time of going through that healing period and trying to process what had happened, I think I actually would have appreciated maybe some conversations or not necessarily interest, but maybe the acknowledgement of people acknowledging what I had to go through and what Lewis and I had to process and, you know, it was a hard time trying to navigate joint grief and us to move through that as a couple. 
just I yeah I know everybody heals different but I think in my healing journey I definitely would have appreciated from my support group um just some more questions instead of the you know that I'm I'm so sorry and and I know it's probably really hard as that support person to know what to say and to try and find the right thing but it, it kind of felt like it went from I'm I'm so sorry to then it didn't it didn't happen like it had just oh we've all moved on from this whereas for us for me that's something that I'm definitely reminded about constantly yeah yeah especially I guess um I'm not putting myself in your shoes but I think for me like the due date of that first pregnancy coming up was a really big thing so how did you navigate that what was um going on so our due date was the 8th of December Hmm. so when we found out about this pregnancy we were so excited to have a Christmas baby and try and juggle the craziness of newborn but still be surrounded by family and everything at such a like cool time of year like we're genuinely really excited about that um but yeah coming into that was extremely hard because we in that time frame of the termination and getting to that due date we had fallen pregnant again with the baby that I'm carrying now um so it was a mixture of emotions and I don't even know if I know how to identify those emotions. You're still dealing with grief and there's some joy in there. There's anxiety, there's an excitement, but there's also sadness. Like there's lots going on in that bubble of that time frame. Um, but approaching that due date, I guess it's, yeah, it's not really something that we shared again with our family we I guess maybe we kind of relied on them to kind of know that it was coming up but yeah I feel like you know for them for someone that's not living in that grief or that experience it's you know probably not playing on their mind as much as it played on our mind Mm. um but Lewis and I just took the day we went out to dinner you know we still wanted to do something to acknowledge his life um and that experience because it was such such a traumatic experience but it really like Lewis and I learned so much from each other during that experience like there was so much so much going on that we didn't want to just let that day go by and and not acknowledge that it was going to be a special day yeah um you don't have to share this if you don't want to but did you um did you name your baby yeah we call my (laughs) my husband's nickname is Big L (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> we always knew that if we were going to have like a little boy, we were going to carry on the tradition in his family of his name starting with L because um, okay. that's been going on for a few generations in his family. Like his dad is Lee and then there's a Linda in the generations above. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just named him little L. So, <laughs> yeah, really but we sweet. did we did think it was important to give him some type of identity because even for that short amount of time, it was still very much a pregnancy that we wanted. So, we, yeah, we still think that was important. Mm. Oh, who else? That's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were pregnant nine months later, a bit prior to that. So when did your conversations start happening about wanting to try again if it was an intended pregnancy I'm not sure um yeah yeah when did that happen you know I guess because with the situation of the termination it was very much a wanted pregnancy so we had had that conversation about wanting to start a family and trying um and then this happened and it definitely took us some time to move past that and especially with the information that we got from that amniocentesis um, of the balanced translocation of down syndrome mm-hmm. we found out through these doctors that that is the only type of down syndrome that could be passed down um, through through genetics so that threw a whole spanner in the works of trying again because we had to go through all this genetic testing of karyotype testing wait for those results so we we weren't trying or making any attempt to try to have a family until we until we got those results um and I think yeah mentally and physically my body needed a rest and I know mentally my husband his body definitely needed a rest as well 
Mm. So I guess it maybe took us about four to five months of healing. I started to do acupuncture and that was definitely a huge part of my healing journey. Um, again, going back to there, it doesn't matter how many times your husband will tell you it's going to be fine. Sometimes you just need like a stranger to sit and listen <laughs> and, and maybe the stranger can tell you it will be okay and it might feel okay. So I really relied on my relationship um, with the ladies that I met at the acupuncture clinic. And they, they were a clinic that specializes in fertility and helping yeah. women with IVF. So I definitely think I found a space where I was heard and listened to and on that recovery of my body and trying to find a rhythm again. That was really, really nice. So I think it took about, yeah, about four to five months of going to acupuncture and waiting for my body to find its rhythm again before we kind of yeah sat down and had the conversation of do we want to do we want to do this do we want to try again yeah so yeah we decided to try again and we and yeah we it didn't <laughs> we're very fortunate in how crappy everything was that we fell pregnant again again quite quickly um but in saying that the yeah, the anxiety from the experience that we went through definitely caused, um, I wouldn't say issues, but just, yeah, I think maybe it took the innocence away from the first trimester of this pregnancy now that I'm currently pregnant again. Um, it definitely made it harder, yeah, and definitely amplified all those pre-existing anxieties yeah. of I guess what I went through that I thought was normal in the first trimester of the previous pregnancy yeah did you have any um ways of coping with those anxieties that helped you and you'd like to share during that first trimester um I think when everyone was explaining to us about the Down syndrome in the first pregnancy it was really hard to not jump to the conclusion that it was our fault um and then you know they would give us information that everything that happened with the diagnosis of down syndrome genetically and stuff happens at the moment of conception it's not something that you did wrong it's not something that you ate you didn't go for a too long enough walk or <laughs> dance too hard you know like mm. it was yeah it was trying to hold on to the fact and what helped me get through this current pregnancy of the first trimester is that everything was already out of my control as crappy as that was there was literally nothing nothing that I could do I was doing you know I was looking after my body I was in a, a really good place mentally I think I was still continuing with my good daily routines and rituals to try and help me get through each day like I was still going to acupuncture I was still going to sit sit the same test like I was still going to sit the same path um, and kind of just letting go of that feeling in control um, was really big for me. So I'm definitely a person that has to have control of everything and has like a list <laughs> and priorities. Yeah, like I, I feel love like I'm an, I'm an organized person, but I definitely had to teach myself to just let it be. And it was really hard. Um, and I think even at times maybe I felt a bit in denial that this pregnancy was taking place um yeah and ex I wouldn't maybe say accepting of it but it's like I wasn't wasn't giving my hopes up or I wasn't gonna celebrate this until we had passed that nipped for this pregnancy yeah and how did it feel getting the results of the nipped <laughs> I can't even yeah I can't even describe to you we were sitting in the office my partner had come this time um because then yet yeah, that's also in, in like had implications on this journey as well as I, I feel like I cannot go to an appointment alone like I really rely on my husband's support mm. um so he was there we went into the back to the OB we seen the same OB because it was really important to us that we see her because she knew our history with the previous pregnancy and she was just, the whole vibe about her seemed so chill this time compared to the first time I walked into that office. Um, she's like, come on, how are you? Have a seat. And we're just sitting there with like 
our fists so tight like just tell us the goddamn news <laughs> <laughs> we need to know uh, and she's like yeah we got your nipped results back and everything's fine like it was and we would like I was so silent and still and in shock and then my husband just bursts into tears and I was trying to console him I'm trying to like process it myself but it was such a relief um and yeah and then that brought us on to being able to find out the gender which is something you know we we were previously looking forward to in the first pregnancy so we wasted no time we got the envelope we went to our friend's house around the corner and we found out that night because we felt like we just (laughs) deserved to celebrate yeah Yeah, we found out we were having a baby girl oh congratulations (laughs) thank you oh it's beautiful yeah it's exciting it was great it was the best day of my life definitely oh yeah and so how you you said you're about 24 26 weeks yeah 20 26 weeks now um yeah and this pregnancy has been completely different which I also think maybe has helped with anxiety as well as it does feel like a new experience and a new chapter um been so sick this this pregnancy so ill up until about like that 17 18 week mark which is not not fantastic Mm -hmm. um but beyond that it was just in time just in kind of in time for Christmas to being able to eat eat all the good foods I kind (laughs) of perked back up and yeah definitely definitely feeling more energy these days which is nice yes enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) um and when what month are you you due I'm due in May this year yeah oh beautiful little winter baby yes we're lovely (laughs) get to do some nice little snuggles and keep each other warm I had a um I had a summer baby and we kept each other too warm we were like "Uh, get off me (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely looking forward to good good winter snuggles that's for sure yeah beautiful um so wrapping up feels like a good spot to do that so is there anything else about your journey that you would like to share or I guess also any tips or tricks for people that may be contemplating a medical termination um, or have been through one themselves very recently. Yeah, what would you like to say to them if you'd like to say anything at all? <laughs> um, I mean, I know it's so cliche to say, but it does get better. Like it really does. Like I know you're probably trapped in a hole at the moment and you feel like the whole world is against you and I know I really struggled with the why did this happen to me like why why out of everybody and you hear all the statistics you're like why was I the unlucky person that this happened to and I'm so sorry that it is because it is really shitty um but it it takes time there's no you know, grief is linear. There's no healing period. You just have to find whatever works for you. There's no, no right and wrong, but I definitely, definitely try and encourage you to find your people, whoever that may be, whether it is, you you know, it, for you, it might be your close family and friends or your partner, um, or it might be a group of strangers, whoever that is, but definitely, definitely lean on them you know, you might wake up on Monday and Monday's great, but you get to Wednesday and Wednesday's Wednesday's a really tough day. Lean on those people on that Wednesday and I feel like it will get better. Um, And just the the feeling, the trying to battle the feeling of it, it not being your fault. I know that's really hard and it's going to take time, Um, but nothing you did caused you to go down this road. And as much as, as much as the words choice and decision probably creep into your head every day about the journey you've had to take I know it definitely doesn't feel like a choice or a decision that was easy um so just do the best that you can anything else um just with that I think with that choice and decision my sister gave me a really good piece of advice and um it was definitely when I was feeling so down and she's like she's like I'm not going to say that crap that the world does it the world only gives you what you can handle because this is something like oh and you you know you only got given this because you can handle it like I'm calling bullshit on the whole thing like Mm -hmm. I'm sorry but that's so not cool to say um and that is so true like 
you didn't get given this because you can handle it. It's a really crappy situation to get given. It's really crappy to have to go down that path. And I'm so sorry that you do. Um, yeah, just be kind to yourself. I think that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thanks, Kristen, for coming on and sharing your story. I know that there's definitely going to be people out there that appreciate it so, so, so much um, now and maybe also in the future. So, yeah, thank you for being brave and courageous and reaching out and yeah, speaking so openly and courageously. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Australian Abortion Stories. It is my hope and prayer for this podcast that the generous sharing of this story and all abortion stories may create positive ripples in our world to help reduce abortion stigma, increase understanding and empathy of people and women who have had abortions and ultimately lead to a better world for humankind. If listening to this story has brought anything up for you, I encourage you to reach out to your support networks and take care of yourself. Go for a walk, sit in the sun, have a cup of tea, whatever you need to do, um, go do it. And I'll also provide some links in the show notes of phone lines and services you can access if you need. If you got something out of this episode, please share it to your socials or share it with somebody you think may benefit from the story or leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. You can also help contribute to ongoing podcast costs, aka Zoom's empire, by using the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes or in our Instagram page. If you're interested in sharing your own abortion story on the podcast, you can submit an expression of interest form via the link in our show notes or in our Instagram. And lastly, but not leastly, <laughs> um, we'll see you in another week or fortnight's time with another episode. So until then, take care of yourself and take care of each other.